Hi, Mari. I'm Nick. And my name is Ishmael. Dude, what are you holding? <laughs> Bread. <laughs> Honey wheats. Oh, could you say that you're bready? Hey, guys. My name's Wesley, <laughs> and welcome to my episode of Postpone Number 50, where we will be doing two movies, Waterloo and Master and Commander. Now, who recommended Waterloo, you may ask? Well, it was another, none other than our good friend, Thomas Ronald Eastman. <laughs> All right, yeah, that, that's my middle name. My name is Thomas Daniel Eastman. Um, it's a pleasure to be here right now. Cool. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Thomas W. Eastman. Tell us a bit about yourself, Thomas, uh, Ronald, J, whatever your name is. Calvin Coolidge Eastman. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the aspiring governor, you know, candidate for Utah governor. I would really like that to happen. But we endorse at the it. moment, I'm still... Yeah. Thank you, yeah. At the moment, I'm still just at CDM with uh, Miss Mayberry not being so pleasant to me. She's... <laughs> She has not taken a like, liking to me because I corrected her once in class because she said the Gadsden Purchase did not have any railroad placed into it. I said, actually, in the 1880s, <laughs> the Southern Pacific built a railroad. She's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, but Ooh. that is what you were talking about. So but. I think the listeners are eager to hear uh, Mayberry's side of the argument when she's on the podcast <laughs> next week. <laughs> right. Oh, I right. can't wait. I cannot wait. For the listeners, I'm sure you can tell there's going to be some some history going on in this one. We now have uh, two against Wes, I guess, um, in the field of going on long tangents about history that no one else cares about except us. I'm not the yep, only person yep. on the planet who thinks that Benjamin Harrison is an interesting person. That's what we're about to learn here. Tell today. me at least one thing about Benjamin okay. Harrison, because I don't, I don't remember. His granddad was the guy that died in 31 days. No, um, I again, can, whatever, fine. Can, <laughs> that, that one's too easy. You mean William Henry Harrison? Oh, oh, oh boom, another dude, name no, off the list. we already did that one. Ari, Stop, this is going like, too far. Yes, this is okay, we're stopping this I'm not going to ask you guys how you're doing this has gone too long, so I'm just going to jump straight into the news. I'm sorry, Ari. How, I, what, what is the news? I have to segue that thing is, <laughs> Thomas might be running for governor of Utah, but I have some fake news right here <laughs> that Nick sent me from oh. GossipCop.com. Explain to me why you are calling this fake news. Because, okay, the article talks about Matthew McConaughey Mm -hmm. and how he clarifies his position on running for Texas governor, Mm -hmm. right? So Matthew McConaughey, actor, is wants to run for governor of Texas. Who would have thought? It talks about how Matthew McConaughey's political juices got flowing because of all the turmoil of the pandemic. And then to cite it... He says, Gossip Cop didn't have any information to, uh, for this rumor, but now we do. Because they have a quote of Matthew McConaughey saying, when asked about running for office, he says, I have no plans to do that right now. He added that he'd be interested in, quote, whatever leadership role I could be most useful in. I don't know that that's politics. Mm-hmm. So pretty tight case. Amazing news, Ari. Uh, I, yeah, I heard this. I see no flaws. Wonderful. I heard this. I saw it around. I've clearly sent you the most reputable source possible with <laughs> gossipcop.com. Uh, uh, well, I saw this. This story was like picked up by like big news outlets as well. Yeah, so it's not, it's not just Gossip um, Cop. It's on, the, if you look up Matthew McConaughey governor, it goes Fox News, CNN, Gossip Cop at the very top. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the end of this article reads, 
This tabloid has no insight into Matthew McConaughey's ambitions or his personal life. <laughs> Perhaps he will change his mind and decide to run someday. <laughs> Perhaps. Oh, boy. But that won't change this story from being bogus. Yeah. The, you know, there is precedent for such a thing occurring. There have been governors who were actors. I can think of three. Matthew McConaughey, governor of Texas. Uh... There's an alternate universe where that happens, and that sounds like a good alternate universe to live in. Um, yeah, that's no, true. It'd be funny. It'd but be funny to watch. You know, you know the bigger thing, Ari. It doesn't uh-huh. matter if the news is real, because did it get you to you to click on the article? It did. So it got, if it, it got, sells, it got to at least it yeah. something. That's true. It got a click. Do you think if they asked Matthew McConaughey what his political positions were, he'd say, "All right, all right, all right." <laughs> You know what? I'll give you a pass sure, for that one. Sure, sure. I'll give you that one. Are you going to give him the pass for that one, Ari? Yeah. I'm giving him the pump pass. Amazing. All right. I'm satisfied. That was our only news article. Um, things happened this week that I just don't really care to talk about. I will say Wonder Woman 84 has received a Christmas Day release date on HBO. And also Soul, the Pixar movie, has officially been announced to be released on Disney+. Plus. I think we already knew that, but it was in the headlines again. Other than that, nothing really interesting happened this week, which is fine. That just gives us more time to talk about uh, water movies. Um, well, 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 hold on a second. What about that uh, that Tom and Jerry trailer that just came okay, out? Okay, you know what? The, uh, I, I, the choice animation. I told you guys not to mention that because it's very Ooh, embarrassing. But and we are. Tell me that I don't know what this is. So before it Wesley got I'm onto... I'm looking up right now. I'll, I'll clarify. Before Wesley hopped onto the Zoom, I was looking for news and... I was browsing the r slash movies subreddit. Um, I found a a YouTube link to the Tom and Jerry trailer. I believe a long, long time ago, like in the first few episodes of Pwn, of Postpone, we talked about um, a upcoming live action hybrid Tom and Jerry movie. Um, a trailer has come out and it looks bad. Not even like Sonic funny bad, just kind of like a bad movie bad. So I didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> Wesley, you look horrified. <laughs> well, like, why? Okay? <laughs> like, why is it cel-shaded if it's supposed to be real light? Why? Uh, like, they look more 2D than the actual Tom and Jerry. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to go for, like, a, you know, a Who Framed Roger Rabbit thing. But they've, like, oddly, like, walked this middle ground where it's not 2D, but it's, like, not 3D at the same time, so mm-hmm. it, it just yeah. looks bad. Well, I think it looks fucking disgusting. It, it looks it looks like beveled, you know, like those 3D vinyl stickers that are like slightly yeah. raised. It looks like yeah. those instead of oh yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I know what you're talking about. Literally, Space Jam looks more realistic in the way that they integrate things into live action. I don't. I look. I again, I didn't bring this up solely because just look at it. Why would I? want to talk about that, what's the you know? what's the reaction you're the one who watched cats yeah i watched cats and it was bad those were 3d though so <laughs> what's um, the reaction though do people hate this as much as sonic look it was it was heavily upvoted but so was the cats trailer i think it's more everyone take a look at this uh-huh. um if you look it up you will see that the official trailer on youtube has that's an impressive ratio. The comments are turned off because Warner Brothers are cowards, apparently. But there's 11 million views and 486,000 likes to 33,000 dislikes. That's like, that's that's like, uh, like 
97 percent i think 98 96 positive that's that's positive that's a people like this um interesting i i cannot imagine why but if you are interested it's coming march 5th 2021 this looks worse in motion yes it's not it's not impressive it's got michael pena it's got ken jong um you know (laughs) i mean i don't really know what else to say chloe grace moretz is in it it looks like like a straight to Cartoon Network movie. I, I don't wa- even know if that's I just, a I just wanted to I wouldn't, know. I wouldn't even say that. I'd say it's like Nickelodeon, like a Fred sequel right here. <laughs> this is Fred Four. This is He's not good. Okay, yeah, I don't know I don't know if you if all of you have actually seen the entire trailer, but they're not the only animated things. All the animals are. So like what happens when like an extra is accidentally walking a dog in the background and <laughs> it's just a real like why are all the animals fake in this world? Because uh, it's Tom and Jerry, and that's how it works, right? Right? I'm so confused. It's not even like Garfield. Like, in the Garfield movies, he's 3D, you know? They don't just sell-shaped Garfield. Yeah. We've already talked for way too long about the Tom and Jerry movie. (laughs) Yes. We got got to move on. This is important. No, this is important (laughs) content. That we need to talk about if we're being film critics. I don't know. Alright, no one's gonna take us seriously as a podcast if we like, don't talk about even, the I'm big not even, news. I'm not even moving on the subject just to like get rid of it. I'm I literally do not have anything to say about this. There's nothing to be well, said. Well luckily this has very applicable connections to our movie that we want to talk about. It's it's, it's it's so similar, you know. I I'm I'm just I'm looking for literally anyone talking about it saying positive or negative things, but like I I can't. Hey, but at least but at least he's using AirPods as his speakers. <laughs> okay. On the topic of Tom because Tom and Jerry, I'm going to force us to transition into Waterloo. Yes. Into Waterloo. Yes. So, so why did the, you recommend Waterloo? I selected this film because it's always been very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soviet films in general. I just love how they can, you know, they, they want to make a big war movie. So what do they do? They just, you know, go to the, the Soviet premiere, ask for like two divisions of the Red Army to dress up in like, you know, soldier costumes and then say, they, they literally had to train them like Napoleonic tactics. <laughs> And they just sort of say, you know what, have at it. Let's let's film a movie mm-hmm. using all this. Now, so, are you, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to say the actors just like almost take a back seat in this film. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, they're so, they're so obsessed with these, you know, these Soviet guys dressed up as, you know. Yes. Scottish um, soldiers and such. Actors who, of course, include uh, Christopher Plummer and uh, my man Orson Welles at peak weight i think he's no yeah let me say let me say like your description of this movie tom your description of this movie has clarified so much about it for me Uh, yeah (laughs) Yeah. i understand now when when i initially asked tom to come on the podcast you know i knew full well he is going to recommend a historical film of some sort this is why i invited him i thought it would be fun and it was fun but as we were looking through options we, of course, considered Gods and Generals, which we did not watch because it's four and a half hours long, and Ari would have... Four and, four and a half hours of, might I say, the most abysmal filmmaking. <laughs> like, it's like Lawrence of Arabia if it was, like, straight to TV, and, like, if it was written by, like... It's, it's basically, like, neo-Confederate propaganda, <laughs> but, like, four and a half hours of it. Like, 
You have John Wilkes Booth like freaking out about the Emancipation Proclamation, and the audience is supposed to kind of like sympathize with him a little bit, mm -hmm. and then. So what you're saying is it's just Birth of a Nation, but like someone made it in 2004. Yes. And, and, yeah. And exactly. Um, <laughs> I, we... I think I think Roger Ebert he said if they handed if they handled World War II in this way there'd be hell to pay. Yeah. You know when talking about it like <laughs> it's um, not a good film. I think for obvious reasons we did not watch that film. Yeah. Um, thank you, it, thank you for making us not watch that. <laughs> as funny as in principle it would have been. <laughs> It'll always be it a threat been... though, Ari. If you make Tom mad, he's yeah, it's always going to loom over you. So just. Um, so I think we settled on this one because I was personally intrigued by the disparity in ratings. There's almost a cult around this film, and I think that's worth noting that. The version we watched was a fan cut on YouTube, so it's technically not the actual film. It's like the film plus a few... It's like when we watched Metropolis and it said scene missing. That's basically what this had, is they had the storyboards to put in where scenes were left unshot or incomplete. Um, the only reason this fan cut exists is because there is this massive cult of people who say this is among the greatest war films ever made. And there is a guy on YouTube who does reviews of historical films and explains how accurate they are and history buffs he gets history he gets buffs his history, yeah he gets his history wrong a little bit but i let it slide <laughs> i was i was shocked to see he called this like his favorite historical film ever and i was like whoa i wasn't expecting that um 7.3 on imdb and 27 percent on rotten tomatoes so critics but 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 We're you know to be, to be noted that it only has eleven critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. This is true, but also look at the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is also like in the low eighties, right? Yeah. No, but I'm just saying that if it had more critic reviews, maybe it would have a higher rating. It's possible, but I do think that um maybe not Roger Ebert, I wanna say Gene Siskel wrote a review where he's like they really just wanted to make a movie with flying aerial shots of, of battles and they succeeded in that, so... They did. They did indeed. Might yeah. I just say, though, that, uh... I think it's, a uh, Rod Steger, his Napoleon in this is really... It's really quite good, mm -hmm. in, in my personal Would opinion. you like to it's, give your opinion of the film, then, to start us off with that? I mean... Yeah, I have this weird emotional attachment to this film. I think I was, like, six, browsing YouTube, you know, and I found this... I found this out. I was like... Yeah, I'll watch it. In two thousand seven. Yeah, while you were watching while you were watching Smosh Food Wars, uh, Tom was, I was watching, I was watching Waterloo. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I was kind of mystified by it. I'm like, wow, what an excellent movie! Because I didn't I didn't know what a good movie. I'd like was. to imagine just... that you've been the exact same person since you were <laughs> six, and you're just like, oh, this is a jolly good film. A jolly good film, jolly yeah. good. But. I rewatched it again, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is almost a pain to watch." Just, <laughs> just the random editing and like the the reuse of the same scream like ten times in a row. It kind of mm. just eventually feels like a cheese grater on the ears. <laughs> um, there's no you know real better way to put it, but Christopher Plumner and Rod Steiger, I think they do really fine jobs in this film. Orson mm. Welles reads his lines. Uh, Orson Welles is clear is clearly plastered. He's, while he's so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like he's clearly passed out. Yeah, if if you want, I will go next because I do. I I, I want to clarify what's what's going on here a bit. Um, yeah, but one last thing, I do appreciate how they had to 
call up the Red Army, get like I think it's sixteen thousand men, equip them all with like muskets and such. Yes. And then they have to train them in like the Napoleonic formations and stuff. So mm-hmm. I-, I gotta commend them for that, to be honest. Yeah. So before I that explain my opinion of the film, we gotta acknowledge something, right? We've accessed a new type of film here, I think. So on the podcast before, or even on the on the show back when we still did Pwn on YouTube, um, we did Who Killed Captain Alex? So bad it's good. We did uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special. So bad it's good. We had discussed doing The Room. We did on the podcast. We watched Jack and Jill. That was just bad. Period. Right. This is something else where it's it's not so bad it's good. It's not even bad. It's just like a film. But we still watched it ironically, I think. Um, Wes and I were debating whether or not Tom was memeing us. Like, we were trying to figure <laughs> yes. out what his opinion was going to be, right? And and I do think there's something to be said about this type of film that's like, it's not, it's not laughably bad. It's just kind of interesting that it exists, right? I don't really know how to explain it, but we've reached the point where movies just aren't even movies. They're just like entities that we're examining and and dissecting i guess like i don't i don't know how to explain the reason why you would watch this film um if unless you are of course someone who is obsessed with the napoleonic wars as i assume the cult of personality built around this film is um, yes and that's something six-year-old tom Tom um i was watching this thinking like what is ari gonna say you know because I, I honestly don't. I'm very interested to see his opinion. I'll give mine very briefly. I think this film is okay from a filmmaking standpoint. It has a lot of problems, most of which are with writing. You know, I just watched um, that Titanic movie, A Night to Remember. And when I was watching that, I was thinking, you know, historical accuracy is impressive. It's not enough to make a film. That movie has a lot going for it. You know, I think it's emotional. It's got good characters. It's really good at, at showing the scene objectively. There's not a lot of music to it. This film um, has an impressive battle scene that lasts about an hour. And I don't remember anything about it other than that it happens. And yes. I sat there just kind of staring at fields and fields of men, which are all real people. It's not CGI. I can say, hey, this is impressive that this is... I think to this day the largest reenactment of a battle ever put on film. Um, Actually, that doesn't make note, it a good film necessarily. There's there's a Russian film about the Battle of Borodino that has like twenty four thousand Red Army soldiers. That's insane. As, as Napoleonic. Soldiers. And is it like twice as long? Too? I, this was like... this was literally like the Red Army's pastime apparently because there's so many films. Where I mean, just... what else were they doing in the seventies? But yeah, exactly. It's like they haven't invaded Afghanistan. Yeah, yet, I was so gonna say. Do uh... whatever you want. In between, Side... you know, invading Czechoslovakia and, I guess, Afghanistan, they just made movies. They, yeah, they just made movies. <laughs> I do agree with the Waterloo thing. It does basically feel like an alien watched a bunch of movies and thought, <laughs> I can make one too, and this is what he spat out. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a lot to say about the making of this, which I will... I. I don't know how much we're going to be able to say about the actual filmmaking, so I'm just waiting for us to get to that, I guess. But, Tom, it is your choice. Who who would you like to hear give their opinion next? I would like to hear uh, Wesley's opinion next. Thank I'm you. sorry, Ari. Thank but... you, Tom. It's all good. It, 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 will, it will come. Yeah. <laughs> it will, it will, it will up, come. You know, so, the momentum. So I think um, 
what encapsulates my uh, my feelings about this movie is what mm-hmm. I texted Nick while I was watching it, and I told him, "This is what Dawn of the Damned looks like in its current state." If we had a budget of a hundred million dollars to make it, <laughs> but nothing else changed. We just had more people and bigger scenes, but like nothing the Soviet else. Soviet army. Nothing else changed. Yeah, we That's had the Soviet army to work. Because there are scenes that work, but like there are individual scenes that I would say, if I was showing someone this film that I made, Water Through, I'm like, oh, I'm very proud of this film. I'd show people the pig scene, you know, and hope they don't notice the 20 minutes of weird stuff with the dance like yeah yeah, yeah. this is that's that's a good analogy yeah i mean it's like you hit it on the its head there's there's an hour long fight scene in it and that I, to me that's the movie like i don't know what this like hour before it is because what's mm-hmm. going on there like they 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 have like a few characters but they don't matter in the fight scene christopher Plummer just looks out over the field the fight scene is just about <laughs> about a bunch of soldiers running at each well looking at each other and then running and then napoleon napoleon is like oh I, i'm sick and then takes a break for like half of it and then comes back and they haven't even started fighting yet and i'm like what is this i, I wrote down that is that is that is literally exactly what six-year-old me thought. I was like, yeah, this dance is great and all. I just want to see Christopher Plumner stare at the battlefield. That's all I want. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I think I wrote down that this is the most anti-war uh, war movie because it doesn't show the horrors of war. It's just boring. Like, you'd watch this and be like, I don't want to, like, waste my time going to war. There's got to be a better way to spend my time. Uh, as to Napoleon, it might just be that, like, I wouldn't like the actual person of Napoleon, so I can't tell if he's playing Napoleon well, but it seems like he's just overacting a lot. But it, once again, it could just be that is how Napoleon is, which I, I no doubt probably wouldn't have liked the real Napoleon either that much if I had to be honest. Um, but all that being said, it is epic, like literally epic how <laughs> many, like how big these fight scenes are. And yeah. in a in a better filmmaker's hands, could have been something I mean, this is like this is like when people see avengers endgame and at the end they're like oh my god everyone's here this is like everyone's here and then they just like stand in a field for an hour um yeah so yeah it's it's an interesting film and like you guys i i i i don't know um how this exists and i don't know uh w- what what this is as a, in terms of it being a movie overall it's kind of boring, but at the same time, it's extremely impressive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I feel like I share a lot of sentiments with you. Um, when it comes to this movie, it feels like it just felt so odd watching uh-huh. because it is it is impressive, and it feels like this should be so much cooler than it is. But then it feels like the directors almost went to extreme lengths to make sure that everything that was put on front of the camera doesn't ma- doesn't matter <laughs> like yes. it's like okay we see the king there was a whole thing he left to an island he's back now there was the armies there was the dance there was the pig it was like there was why is the person have a love interest why, what it was what is happening <laughs> napoleon leaves napoleon leaves and he comes back the mud the mud was so important i kept talking about the mud and the rain and then the, the mud's not a problem anymore and then napoleon's like we've won and then he loses and it's so <laughs> freaking weird <laughs> like Ari, it's i was so confused yes i was if, so if confused I may ask, too i'm right there with you Ari. 
I feel like I understand Waterloo a little bit more, but yes. I still don't. I, I was going to say Ari and Wes, because I, for one, know next to nothing about the Napoleonic Wars. My entire understanding of the Battle of Waterloo is based on the ABBA song. Like, I don't know anything <laughs> about Waterloo. I do know that the, the one guy's leg comes off, and I only know that because of the Wikipedia article that is written solely about that man's leg. There's a Wikipedia article about the guy's missing the, leg. The Earl of Uxbridge. Yes, I knew about that, and I was thinking, hey, if I knew about the Battle of Waterloo, maybe I'd be watching this, like Wes says, with like, oh, everyone's there. I might be like, ah, oh, these are my boys. I know all these historical figures, you know? I'm really hoping that Tom knows about the Battle of Waterloo. I'm assuming you do. Because... I do, and and this is the thing with, like, these historical films, like, Gods and Generals <clears throat> and Waterloo. If you don't have, like, this intense knowledge of, like, you know, all yeah. the stuff going into it, you have no idea It's It's literally on. the film equivalent of, like, a scholarly essay, where it's like, yes, I'm sure yeah. this is very informative, but I don't have, like... I need the momentum to get to the point where I can then say, okay, now I understand what's happening. You need a, I you literally, need a four-year college know. degree or just being Tom. I yeah. didn't know where Waterloo was. I thought it was in England. You know, like I <laughs> knew literally nothing about this. Why are they in I Belgium? I was waiting so long for them to say Waterloo because <laughs> I was lost the whole time. Like, I was like, that was going to be my, my, I was drowning and that was my life preserver <laughs> to understand what was happening this film. They said Waterloo. I'm like, yes. These are things I know. Where this I know. Is going. <laughs> I've, I have a question. I have a question. The scenes yeah. that are missing in the cut that we watched is that mm -hmm. missing in the real movie or like, like what what's going on there? I think there's like footage of it somewhere, but then like they just decided, eh, you know what? This film, this film like, already has too much context. <laughs> Let's cut all this context. They have out. like still frames from them because it's like of the actors. So uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, we watched a version. Um, that was like one thirty, I think. Two hours, ten minutes, right? I watched um, one that was so. one thirty-five. Oh, you watched the 15 one? Yeah. I don't oh, know I what I got I, that you I, guys I did. I think it. I watched the slightly shorter one. Okay. I watched the first one, says Fan Cut on YouTube. Yeah. So we we basically, I'm sure the version that's longer is just more pictures, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't actually know... But the real version, I assume it's just this minus the pictures, right? It, it is. I, I did used to have it on DVD because I was... Where? You know, Where I, did you get I, that? How did you I, find I that? <laughs> it's like my parents... My Literally, I woke up on Christmas. My parents are like, oh, Santa brought this. It's like, yeah. water lose. Water Seven-year-old Tom is just like, this is the greatest day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> he has the last and only surviving copy of this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, look, it's a historical event. I do want to say that the, the 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 history buffs guy says this is like the most accurate thing ever. This is maybe the longest historical inaccuracy segment I've ever seen on Wikipedia. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> Tom, instead of describing the movie, can you just tell us what the actual what is the historical context for this in like a minute and a half? Like I just I, mean... I don't want to hear more about the plot of this film. I didn't understand it the first time. I'm not going to understand it the second time. Yeah. Just as simply as you can, from him returning from Elba, I guess, what happens? Right, so, so Napoleon got kicked out of France because, you know, he lost his army in Russia, and that's a whole other story that, that is covered in another Russian film. So we will, oh. we will ignore that for now. But um, Next time, next time. So Napoleon comes back from Elba, and 
all the European monarchies, they're instantly like, okay, we can't go through Napoleonic Wars again, we're just going to get them out right now. So they all mobilize for war. So Napoleon thinks, I need to knock out some of the armies really quickly, fast, and try and get a peace deal. Mm -hmm. So the British army and the Prussian or the German army are like converging in Belgium to invade France. So he decides, I'm going to attack them, which he does, and he beats you know, the Prussians at Ligny. Might I just say about Waterloo as well, there's this very like heavy anti-German sentiment. Mm -hmm. Like the Prussians are like basically being described as like devils. They've got the German national anthem like played in a minor key. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's something oh. I found in, in this film. In this film, the yes, Prussians are I, arriving. I did, like, I did notice the, the Uber Alice or whatever it's called. In, yeah. Yeah, that was In a minor key. Essentially, Napoleon thinks, I need to, you know, get the, these two armies out of the way fast. So he beats the Prussians. Then he goes after, you know, the British army at Waterloo. And, you know, that's what the film's about. And the film kind of, kind of accurately covers the order of battle for the most part. In great detail. In, in great detail, with some fine editing and sound design. Mm -hmm. I, I want to touch on that in a little bit as well, because... Oh, the Yeah, I'll sound. get to that. Yes, the sound. It's it's but, like it's filmed in real time, I, I, if I might <laughs> Like, the battles... Well, that see, that's what's great about the Titanic movie, right? Yeah. The Titanic slowly disappearing under the water. Every second something's happening. Uh -huh. But if we're not following a specific character, I'm thinking like Saving Private Ryan, right? We follow people. You know, Band of Brothers, we're following specific people. With this, it's like so much stuff is happening that no matter how accurately it's portrayed, again, if I don't know what's going on, I don't yeah, know who's winning. Yeah, you just can't cover any Like, of it. I don't yeah. know which color is which side. Like, I'm uh -huh. just watching like a Jackson Pollock painting, you know? <laughs> Like it, oh, it was, it was, uh, it was impressive, but but Ooh. it was the the dance is accurate for the most part at the start. <laughs> is that true? I, I just want that <laughs> is true. There was a, there was there was a dance, and this really caught the British off guard because Napoleon like marched on them so quickly. They were literally just having a dance. Yeah. But uh, Ari, you touched on the constant uh, reference to mud in this film, mm -hmm. and that that also has a little bit to do with history. That probably. <laughs> Napoleon wanted to attack early, but like he couldn't move up his artillery because of the mud. So is that supposed to be like a wink to historical fans? Like, oh, that mud! I know what that means. Like, <laughs> yeah, is that but, what that is? But it felt like there was so much mud emphasis. They mentioned the rain and the mud like so many times. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that it it did basically cost Napoleon the battle, hmm. um, because he literally just couldn't get his cannons up and attack. You know, the British early in the morning before the, the Germans came and rescued Wellington. Mm -hmm. And you also touched on Napoleon getting sick and like getting better and you know getting sick again. This, it's believed that Napoleon had like his early version of stomach cancer at Waterloo, mm. you know, which like killed him like six years later. <laughs> so that's another reason historians say he lost is because he literally was like lying in this windmill for half the battle, <laughs> yeah. just like, like holding onto his stomach. Oh. Are there are there feasible alternate universes then where he did not lose at Waterloo? I mean, yeah, just get rid of the mud and he's he's pretty he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's a sunny day. And he, mud. he just doesn't have a mutated DNA. Again, my knowledge of this is the Hundred Days War, right? Yeah, I do know that days. term. This is the end of the Napoleonic Wars, more or less. I do know yeah. that the the sides are France and then like the entire rest of Europe. 
right yep okay yes that is i i i understand now good movie i loved it uh, <laughs> um but I just really want to touch on the editing here because yes. I cannot tell whether this film was originally filmed in English or Russian. I just, I, I really can't understand it. Because, like, <laughs> Christopher Plummer and, like, Orson Welles and Rod Steiger, they're obviously, you know, reading English lines. Yes. But, like, all these side characters, like, you know, the people at the dance, I'm like, are they speaking, like, Russian in real life and they just have to translate it to Plummer? Because... Like, the lip-syncing doesn't, you know, match up for anyone. Yes. I believe that what's going on here is, yes, this is a Soviet film. You forgot to mention, this is also a Soviet-Italian co-production. And as we know from watching Suspiria, the Italians like to dub over everything. Uh-huh. I'm assuming if this is, like, Red Army soldiers, there's a lot of, like, actual Russian actors here and there in the film. I think that it is just <clears throat> them speaking whatever their native language is and then just dubbing over in English or whatever needs to be dubbed. Um, poorly dubbing, like. Poorly dubbed, yes. This is, this is a film that I don't know how it got made. Um, <laughs> so it, it was produced by Dino De Laurentiis, right? He, he worked with David Lynch. He produced uh, Blue Velvet, Dude. I believe is what he's most known for. Didn't he do but Dune also, maybe? He, he, I think he did put together Dune. Um, but he's he's fine. He makes he makes movies. Uh, my grandmother knew him. Uh, his his uh, granddaughter is Giada De Laurentiis, the the Food Network star. Um, huh. Yes, he puts together this movie. Uh, it gets made in in the Soviet Union um, with with Red Army actors. Uh, the Italians are involved and just dub over everything, and then it failed so horribly at the box office that Stanley Kubrick decided to cancel the Napoleon film he was working on. Um, yes. And this, this is film I... is personally responsible for us not having an additional Stanley Kubrick film, and for that reason alone, I give the film a 0 out of 10. Uh, yeah, that's, that's honestly, like, the greatest tragedy about this. That's like, terrible. I, I loved Barry Lyndon, and yeah. I would have loved to see, like, you know, Kubrick do a Napoleon biopic. I, but, am, a, mm-hmm. I am assuming that he... Nope used that as the basis for Barry Lyndon anyway. So I don't know if that would have happened without Napoleon, but like I do know that he 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 saw a bunch of Napoleon movies and said these are all shit. I'm I'm just going to make a good one. And then he saw this do bad and he's like, "Oh wait, this isn't going to make money. I'm not going to make it." Um which is unfortunate. You know, you you touched on your grandmother earlier and I just wanted to say <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to say my grandma was able to give uh, Rod Steger a foot bath while he was in the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Way back in the 60s or whatever. That's just. Oh, before this movie, even. Yeah, before this movie. She convinced him to be in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Foot massage that idea into him. She's she's giving him a foot bath, and he's like, she says, you know what? Has anyone ever told you you look like Napoleon? And he sort of says to himself, huh. I do appreciate that Napoleon's not particularly short in this movie. Um, I mean, I he's that's short. not. He's shorter he, than everyone he's, else. He's shorter than, like, other people that are in the movie. But he, he was like, well, he was about, like, 5'3 in real life, right? 5'4? Five, five, yeah. But yeah, wasn't that, like, the no, average? No, 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 because the, the French yeah, inches yeah. were, like, smaller than the English inches, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if it's that they're 
there's a difference in inches or if French people just average height for a male in France at that time. Yeah, it, it was it was basically just British propaganda that just called him. It's Short. it started like in his early career when he was like really young. So they just said, "Hey, look at this guy. He's he's practically a kid. He's so short." And then yeah. that sort of stuck. So they're just like, "All right, guess he's short now." Yeah. <laughs> okay. One thing I want to say about this movie, mm-hmm. uh, this was completely off topic. Is when I'm watching a film about war. Yeah. Usually, unless I've never in most war films, they have more ethical black and whiteness. You know, like it's not like mo- I feel like most films I watch that have more gray morality spectrum are the ones that are not war films. Yeah, and I'm not sure it worked. Like they didn't try to implement really any morality in this film. It felt just like. You know, these are people and they're fighting. And it made me weird because, like, I, I think I'm rooting against Napoleon, but I'm not sure if, if it wants me to be rooting against Napoleon because, like, he's the protagonist for the first half of the movie. Yeah, yeah he, he goes on the hero's journey, you know? He loses everything at the beginning and then has to rise back up. Exactly. And he just he has his charisma. Yeah. He gets all the... He's so good with his... Uh, well, with I his might I just say... When I, I when I was six, I've always been an Anglophile, so I've always been rooting for the British. Yeah. So I I knew from the beginning I'm not rooting for Napoleon. Mm-hmm. So six year old Tom is like, person. no, no, Frenchie, not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing with Napoleon, again, my this is not my area of historical knowledge. I know that Stephen's reading that like 800 page Napoleon book. He'd probably be a better source on this than me. But I, I do know that Napoleon is one of those gray figures of history where, like, to this day, people debate, was he right or was he wrong? Because, um, you know, he wasn't a monarchist, so there's that that's good. But he also was, like, declaring himself emperor. And there was the whole thing in Mexico with, I guess that was his his like descendants did that but... that that was his ne- that was his nephew who also yeah. just said i'm emperor but he he, he wasn't like good at all yeah like napoleon was. What, was napoleon good at all then i mean napoleon was he, he's I a pretty can, smart I can guy agree he's his a nephew brilliant was... tactician i don't know enough yeah. about him to determine whether or not i side with him wouldn't, over wouldn't he have been fine if he just hadn't invaded the rest of europe like if he had just stayed in france he probably could have been the leader there right yeah, wouldn't it have been I fine mean, if he just didn't declare himself emperor? <laughs> I mean, at that point, he basically already was. He essentially made, like, back in the early 1800s, he launched, like, a military coup, and, like, only later he said, you know, whatever, I'll, so I'll try So he did the what we were thing. afraid that George Washington might do then. He did the exact opposite, where he said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in charge now. Yeah, yeah, pretty, okay. yeah, pretty much. So in that case, yeah, I, I don't know if I side with Napoleon. But did he but again, let them eat cake? Okay. Uh... <laughs> um, it was very weird. He's like this benevolent dictator, mm-hmm. sort of, where he's like he doesn't do anything. Oh, like, like Kim Jong Un. Right? Well, but like, but like, sure, competent. But yeah, sure. Sorry, I our sponsor this time was North Korea. I had to. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I do That's like. Weird. Because my sources tell me that our sponsor is. <laughs> Domino's featuring Atsutsu. Atsutsu. Fuck. Huh? 
Domino's <laughs> and uh, how is it? How do you pronounce? Hatsune Miku. Hatsune Miku. Hatsune Miku. Domino's. Hatsune Miku. Get your Japanese women and your Domino's from postpone forward slash um, Thomas Eastman to get 50% off your Domino's and 40% on anime songs. Vocaloid? Um, that's it. Vocaloid. Yeah. That's Vocaloid. The word I Vocaloid. Yeah. She's not a real girl and the pizza isn't real pizza. Domino's. <laughs> Stay fresh. funky. Yeah. I think this is one of those movies that's more interesting to talk about than to watch, I think. Yes, um, I'd have to agree. Uh-huh. Which is, you know, it's fun. We we don't do a lot of those on the podcast. I don't know how Ari feels about movies that are not utilitarian, I guess. Um, no, I, I mean, I get my YouTube You mean movies that don't work as movies? I guess. I guess I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, movie... <laughs> Look, movies I watch that are a lot bad. of movies, right? <laughs> I watch a lot of movies. I watched a movie last night that I literally just watched because it had William Powell in it. It wasn't good. But I watched it because I said, hey, that's a thing that exists. Once I watch that, I will have seen it. I feel like that's kind of the reason you'd watch this is to say, hey, there's a Soviet Napoleon film. I'll just watch that. Why not? You know, and now I've seen Orson Welles drunkenly stumble his way around. Uh-huh. That, that man was not having a good time in the early you, 70s. Weird. You've seen that Orson Welles like wine commercial. Oh, of course. The famous. Yeah, the, the, yep, the pea commercial is, is, is my favorite. Yeah. Um, where he's doing the the radio. Are you familiar with this gentleman? The no. Orson Welles P commercial? No. Oh dude. He he drunkenly stumbles his way through a P commercial and argues with the director about the script. He's like, There's no known way in the English language to start a sentence with in, like in July, and put the emphasis on the in. Show me a jury that can say the words in July and I'll go down on you. Wait, and what? this is of what? course this yes this is true this is in the last years of orson welles's life he did these commercials this one in the wine commercial where he's just like ah oh, the french champagne <laughs> and then he recorded the the transformers dialogue and then a week later he died like this is the final stretch of this man's life get me a jury and show me how you can say in july and i'll go down on you that's just idiotic if you'll forgive me by saying so. That's just stupid. In July. I'd love to know how you emphasize in and in July. Impossible. Meaningless. This is a man who I once on the podcast said was a great hero of mine, and I stand by that. <laughs> but he definitely had some moments in the uh, in the late 60s and 70s that were less than uh, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, of course... Uh, that wine commercial and the pea commercial are the source of the voice of Brain from Pinky and the Brain, which until recently Wes had never heard of, and I was shocked to know that Wes is unfamiliar really? with Animaniacs. I've seen them. They're black and white, like Mickey Mouse. Did you just call the Animaniacs black and white Mickey Mouse? Is it <laughs> no, Mickey I said Mouse they're black, black and white, white like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I was going to say Mickey Mouse is black and white, but... Yeah, I... We've done this thing again where we're talking about something that's not our movies, and I think that's time. That's our signal on the next that one. I think we're done talking about Waterloo. So Thank you for the recommendation, by the way, Thomas. Yes, that, thank yes you. it yes, was very that. fun. Um, a film about the Napoleonic Wars that is not that interesting. Maybe now we'll watch a different film about the Napoleonic Wars that is interesting. Wesley, would you like to tell us about your film for your episode that I have now narrated Hijack? for some reason. Yes, um, I would love to. Tell us about 
Full full title, please. Yes. Master and Commander, colon, The Far Side of the World is a movie. Um, it's based on a series of... Ari, Ari, what is on your head? Oh, it's a, it's a microfiber cloth. I thought you were wearing, like, a coffee filter. <laughs> no, it's a microfiber cloth for washing, like, screens or sunglasses. Mm. The or plot thickens. First he has bread, now he has cloth. And he had a yeah. floss earlier. He flossed before he ate. Mm. Coincidence? Always, always do a not. Fortnite dance before you eat. Anyway, Master and Commander, uh, The Far Side of the World, 2003 film, which is actually based on a series of books by Patrick O'Brien. Uh, it's actually a pretty long... Okay, Nick is gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I was putting a bottle away. It's a, it's a pretty lengthy series, and uh, I'm as far as I can tell, this adapts, I think, like, two two of the books, kind of, roughly. Um, full disclosure, this is not about a person who is the, ma- the master and the person who is the commander. Our main character, Jack Aubrey, is the master. And, and the commander. And um, he's the far side of the world. And he is, he, he is indeed the <laughs> far side of the world. He is England. Anyway, it's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie about a... a, a I am England. It, <laughs> I am the far side of the world. <laughs> Jesus. It's a movie about uh, an English naval ship uh, during the Napoleonic Wars called the HMS Surprise, captained by uh, our hero Russell Crowe, a.k.a. Jack mm-hmm. Aubrey, that is sent to hunt down uh, a ship called the Acheron. Um, and it's basically it's basically just a journey of the ship as it, as it tries to fight this, this French ship that is superior in every way. Um, yeah, I recommended Wesley? this movie. Yeah, <laughs> why do you recommend it? <laughs> I recommended this movie as I was gonna say, Nick, before I was so rudely interrupted. Um, because uh, a few episodes ago we talked about Greyhound, and I talked about how I didn't like it, and how I, I there are naval movies that I like that do naval battles better, in my opinion. Uh, and this is one of them, definitely. This is the first one that came to my mind. Um, just uh. Yeah, I guess I'll get into my opinion. I, I'm a really big fan of this movie. This is the second time I've watched it, I think. Um, the reason I watched it the first time is purely because of the soundtrack, because it has some really good classical music in it. Um, and then you get the added bonus of it actually being a good movie, in my opinion. Um, I think the the two leads are good, Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. Um, I like the story, especially this item. I appreciate it. It reminds me of, like... Moby Dick, which I haven't read, but uh, <laughs> in terms of like, it's this guy who's trying to like hunt down this. A lot like Jaws, thing. right, Wes? You what? <laughs> A lot like Jaws. <laughs> yes, this movie, movie reminds Jaws. me of Jaws. Yes, I have <laughs> read the the book of Jaws. Let me just say, it is very different than the movie. There's a book. Um, there is a book. It's got. I did not know and, that. And let me just say, I read Master and Commander: Far Side of the World. There's quite a few differences with the book and the movie have you read the whole series no i i read the whole uh hornblower series which Mm -hmm. is a lot like this but i i never finished this one they're like 20 of them they're like yeah there's a lot of treehouse books of the napoleonic (laughs) wars Uh uh we need some historical slash actual series perspective from tom Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i quite like this movie i like the fight scenes between the boat but i i also just like the the narrative of like this guy who slowly you know has to make sacrifices while he pursues this ship that is this elusive white whale if you will uh to jack aubrey and uh i like the overall story i don't think it really drags any part i mean like it kind of does at a, at a point but that re- that's represented in what's happening in the story um and all in all 
a very a very fine movie, if I might say. One of the few war mm-hmm. movies I like. I know that you guys make fun of me because I say I don't like war movies, and then I like war movies. This one is a war movie I like. Uh-huh. Interesting, interesting. It's up to you, then. Who's, uh... yes. It's up to me? Yeah. It's never it's up to episode. me. It's your episode. We it's never do episode. this. We only do it with guests. Nope. No. Nope. No, no, go. No. I'm saying no. I'm saying pick whose opinion goes next. Yeah, I know. We never do this. Then what order Should do we, we do, do usually? Okay, fine. Thomas, <laughs> tell us your opinion. So, I really like this film. This was another film that I watched when I was really little. I think I was like eight or something. My parents turned it on. And the, the earliest memory I have about talking about this film was my dad complaining that a... I forget which Lord of the Rings movie, but it, it just cleaned it out at the Oscars. Yeah, it was the third Lord of the Rings beat this for Best Picture. It, no, no, it, didn't, it didn't only beat it for Best Picture. Every single uh, nomination that this film didn't get, the third Lord of the Rings movie got. Instead. Oh, really? So well, it just, no, yeah, this, it literally one, this one out. did get cinematography. Over it did Lord get the Rings, cin- yes. cinematography, and I think it got something with one like, of the sound sa- ones. Sound designs, yeah. yeah. But everything else, it lost to Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So I really liked this film. It, I also really liked the music in it. Uh, my little brother Jimmy, he likes it a lot more. You know, he's got his violin right here, plays the music 24 7. Yeah. Um, I really like this film a lot. Um, I, it, from a historical aspect, it's really good. But like, unlike Waterloo, it's a lot more concentrated. Mm-hmm. So you, can, you care about the characters a little bit more. You know, it's it's not just noise. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, that that's about it. It's yeah. just a very well-made film, and it's probably one of the films I've watched, like, the most. Interesting. Like, I've watched The Searchers and this one at least, like, 40 times, I'd say. Nice. I, I, was a, I was a very dedicated young boy to ah, these yes. sorts of movies. All right. Yes. Interesting. Ari? Would you like to go? Oh well, me. I hate I hate that we always assume that you're gonna hate something, and so we pick you last. So you know what? I'm gonna assume Nick hates this. Ari. No, I I watched this thinking Ari's. I'm excited for Ari to like a movie. <laughs> I, I love this film. Yeah. I love this film. Like this film. Hey. Yeah. Like it's some. I don't know how a film does it. It's a. Do you like it better than Greyhound, get... Ari? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do like this film better. I than legitimately Greyhound. watched this thinking this might be in Ari's top five of the podcast. Like, this that is we've a done. really good film. The thing is, your point about the warfare being better than this than Greyhound, I feel like maybe, but I feel like <laughs> everything else, yeah, like just blows Greyhound out of the water. Even if, of course it's not yeah. a competition. Just this is just a good movie in general. The thing is, there's something that a lot of movies can do. That like they just give you that feeling of adventure, mm-hmm. and like I think that's different to each person. Like, for example, uh, Nick's one of those fi- films with him was Lawrence of Arabia. I don't really get that vibe from that film at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like maybe well, that's a little not bit. An adventure, but... that's an experience. <laughs> yeah, but like this one really captured. Like I feel like I'm going on an odyssey with these people, mm-hmm. and you know, and the acting was good. There's nothing that was bad enough to distract me from it. everything was immersive and like i liked the plot i liked uh all the little side tangents they all made sense like in regards to the plot i just liked it i mean very nice i think it's a good at good ass movie nice. that's my that's my general opinion of the film yeah all right i will give my opinion then um tom said that this movie you know unlike waterloo 
is a bit more concentrated. I would say, I'd go a step further and say, unlike Waterloo, this is a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) How can you say something so bold, Nate? I know, that's a hot take, to be honest. (laughs) I was watching this, and like I said, I was... I don't know what it is. There's something exciting about when Ari likes a movie, right? Not just when he likes it, because like Ari's liked a lot of the movies we've done on the podcast, but when he loves a movie, that's something exciting. Like when he was talking about Waves, you know, and he was excited about that, when he was talking about uh, her, and he got excited about it. Mm-hmm. I was watching this thinking, Ari's going to love this, and then I realized that was just my surrogacy for, oh wait, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> um this is a tier of film that I think exists somewhere between damn fine and great, where it's like, this is the caliber of studio film that could exist that we're not seeing right now, right? Mm-hmm. This is proof that there are huge budget, like, studio films that could be good, and we're just not getting them right now, but they're out there, you know, and they look like this. I think from a filmmaking standpoint, this movie does basically everything it needs to do right, Like, the movie eases you in. I was like, okay, here we're going to do a war movie. And it eventually got to the point where I cared enough about the characters that sitting there watching them chase lizards was still interesting to me. Uh I still enjoyed the movie at that point. This is less a problem with with the movie and more just, like, a point of confusion. I know it's not based on a specific battle or anything, so I'm not saying it has to be realistic to life in that way. I am saying I don't know if this movie um, accurately portrays the life of men at sea because it seems too fun in this movie. Like, it seems really enjoyable. Um, And I don't know how... Tom's raising his finger. Maybe people... Maybe maybe it was fun to be a 12-year-old on deck on a boat like (laughs) this, but I I really did, like... I know, obviously, this is probably a historical thing, but that that huge amount of like age differences i think worked really well because it it, like it felt like a proper when he says this is england i'm like you know what this is england you know i felt patriotic (laughs) for a country i'm not part of Uh i i enjoyed this a lot very good film i haven't seen the third lord of the rings but maybe this should have won you know Uh, my dad certainly thinks so because that's like I've never seen him get so heated. He gets very heated in political debates, but the, the, the look in his eyes when someone brings up Master and Commander in the Oscars is like, I fear for my life Pure rage. I, Pure rage. I, I No, I, I, I got to agree. I got to agree. The third, like, I like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The third one uh, isn't even my favorite. Um, you know what else lost in that. 2003 at the Oscars? Seabiscuit. Um, Joey's favorite horse movie. <laughs> All right, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Tom, do you want to talk about Men at Sea? <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about Men at Sea. Um, Tell us about from, from, Yeah, okay. From For all accounts, <laughs> this film is actually, like, extremely, like, historically accurate. Like, it's got a lot of the, like, really small details in there. And Nick, that, that history buffs guy you were mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. he also gushes over this film. Because it, but deservedly, like, he, yeah, but he complains about the historical aspect just a little bit, mm. but because yeah, asshole. he just yeah, he honestly is. I really <laughs> detest him. But. <laughs> Dude, you can't That's do that good. on a podcast, bro. I don't want to start beef. <laughs> oh, I do it more on a podcast. Yeah, 
hashtag, hashtag, hashtag Team Tom, not hashtag Drama Team History alert. Buff. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this it's a very historically accurate film, and it, it really kind of captures the feeling of, like, closeness. Like, you don't have a lot of space when you're, like, below decks, and it... It really catches the feeling of like I'm, you know, I'm isolated out in the ocean and all that, and the age difference is like historically accurate. I mean, most British officers would start their time at sea at like the age of twelve. That's wild. And all that. Yeah. Um, Get them while they're young. <laughs> but there is there is like one like big historical issue with this. It's the uh, the fact that the ship is French. Um, mm. In the book, the ship is American, which makes a lot more sense as to what it's doing on. You know the other side of the world, oh, or the that, far that. side of the world, if Akron you will. Is? Yeah, in the yeah. Uh, the book, the the ship's like an American privateer, mm. okay. and that but explains. In this, they say I'm assuming it was they built changed that because they didn't want to make the Americans the villains in an American. Film. Yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. that's Probably. the reasoning they gave it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but so yeah, that the whole reason they have it like even built in America in the first place is because of like how the shots like kind of bounce off the Acheron. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a characteristic of American ships at the time because we just used better wood on our ships than yeah, all the European let's go. countries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got the best you wood. Say, we got the best wood. Okay. We got the we got the objective best wood to put this. So. We have the best trees. Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? The finest wood. <laughs> so yeah, that's why that's how they try and explain like it being built in Boston. We can't actually sink it because mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the wood's too strong. Very nice. And yeah, that's based off of you know, the USS Constitution, which you can go on, and you can also go on the uh, the HMS Surprise, the ship they used for this movie mm. in uh, San Diego. Huh? Well, I have I, the Lego set there. for the USS I Constitution, go, so I'm practically the same thing, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Lego USS Constitution? Yes. Dude. Have you heard, have you heard of Kobe Bricks? No. Uh, I'm aware there, of them, yes. There's this, there's this Polish like yeah. off-brand Lego company that specializes. They're the ones that just do like military Legos, right? Yeah, yeah, just military Legos and like like controversial stuff too, like yeah. German Panzer tanks. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> Interesting. And you with, said they were Polish. With, like, yeah, they're Polish as well. So yeah, you know what you're gonna do. Well, that's something. Um, I guess I should go through the plot. This this will be pretty quick yeah. because it's 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 a pretty simple plot. Um. Basically, like I said, there's this English ship called the HMS Surprise. They're chasing the Acheron. Uh, every time they see the Acheron, the Acheron is up breeze from them, right? So, like, they always, the Acheron always has the advantage. They're always one step ahead of the HMS Surprise. Um, so they, they, they fight a few times. Uh, the second time, uh, HMS Surprise, you know, suffers a, suffers a loss. This guy gets, like, knocked off uh, because he's on the mast, and then the mast, like, falls into the water, and they have to cut him loose because he's, like, dragging the ship down. Um, anyway, they realize that that uh, they're not well equipped. So everyone's telling Jack Aubrey that he should go back to England. Like this is as far as like he was just supposed to chase them to I don't know like South America or something. Um, and like this is the, this is as far as they should go. Yeah, they should Brazil go back. or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then he's like, no, we're gonna refuel. We're gonna refuel in like the Amazon, and we're gonna like keep chasing the, these guys, right? So they 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 refuel, and then um, then they go to the Galapagos Islands because they think that they can catch the Akron while they're there. Um, and meanwhile, uh, our, our secondary protagonist, pretty much Paul Bettany, is this doctor who's best friends with Jack Aubrey. They, they like to play duets on the ship together. Uh, they, they, they're big music guys. Side note, um, varying levels of linking up the music to the playing, but actually, like, 
there are parts when I feel like they're they're actually tr- they're trying to play. It's not nearly as bad as like every Sherlock Holmes thing, which has him like moving his bow like twice the speed as the music. So um, obviously they're not playing the actual songs, but like there's parts where, especially Paul Bettany with the cello, because I've seen another movie with him where he played the cello, and he's he's getting the fingerings kind of right. So good on them for for trying with that. Perhaps he's a cellist. Perhaps he is a cellist. It's it's yeah. not it's not as good as that one Chloe Grace from Rats movie where she learns how to play cello. Um, mm. Also, that movie is terrible, and that's the only good part about it because it's a movie about how like she dies and then like has to like it's like it's like it's a wonderful life if she was just dead and then she looks back on her life and she's like this sucks and then she it's and she's like these are all the bad things that happened and then she's like oh but I should I should live so then she wakes up from her coma. Anyway, we're not talking about that movie because it's bad. Um, That's next week. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's Ari's recommendation. But anyway, they go to the Galapagos. The the doctor is like, oh, my God, Darwinian finches. Uh, He doesn't call them that because that doesn't exist. But he's like, oh, my God, this this cormorant. Iguanas can't swim. Yeah, iguanas can't swim. And and this cormorant can't fly. This is crazy. Um, So they they find some stuff. Two new species in as many minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then Jack Aubrey's like, we gotta go. We gotta chase Akron. I can't be being here. Um, So then the doctor's like, fine. This really sucks. I wanted to be with my animals, but I guess I guess we'll ship out. Um, and then they, they can't find the Acheron, but then one day a, a bird flies by, and it's some new species, and the doctor's like, oh my god, it's a bird. And then some guy on the ship is like, we should shoot the bird, and then accidentally shoots the doctor, and then <laughs> they're just like, fuck. And they, 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 he's, the, he's like the only good doctor on the boat. So they go. So Jack Aubrey has to make a decision. He's been going the singular path, doesn't want to turn back. He doesn't want to like turn back to miss the Acheron, but he finally realizes that he's losing too many men. Men are turning against him. Uh, his best friend is dying from a bullet wound from his own soldier. Uh, so they go back to the Galapagos Islands, uh, set, set up a tent. Doctor fixes himself up, uh, finds some animals, puts them in cages, and then as he's like chasing the cormorant or whatever, uh, or the cormorant, I just named another Pokemon on the podcast, uh, but as he's chasing the cormorant, um, he sees the Acheron in a bay, and he's like, oh shit, they're here. Drops all the animals, runs back to the ship. HMS Surprise disguises themselves as, like, a lobster fishing vessel, uh, and then they, whaler, they, they go in... A whaler. A whaler, yeah, I guess it, that would be much more accurate. <laughs> hey, Moby Dick. Uh, fishing for lobsters <laughs> off the coast of the Galapagos? <laughs> oh... <laughs> Uh, they disguise themselves as a, as a as a whaling vessel, approach the Acheron, take it over, uh, and then Jack Aubrey, uh, you know, kills kills their captain, uh, and they they surrender the Acheron over, and Jack Aubrey sends some of his men onto the Acheron to to take it back to England um, for them, and then they realize that oh boy, that wasn't actually the captain who died, it was just the uh, the doctor who died, and the captain was disguising himself as the doctor, so then. They go on a merry little chase, and then the movie ends on kind of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Very nice. But the guy doesn't get to see his turtles. Next time, maybe. And he goes, the bird's flightless. It's not going anywhere. And then they <laughs> sail off. Uh-huh. That was a good impression. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and, and there's there's an amazing joke about weevils in this. Let me just say. That, Let me just say. Oh, that made Ten me out laugh. of ten. That was an out loud laugh. Do you see those two weevils, Doctor? I do. Which would you choose? I would choose the right-hand weevil. It has significant advantage in both length and breadth. 
There, I have you. You're completely dished. Do you not know that in the service, one must always choose the lesser of two weevils? <laughs> that did not get the pun passed to me. I scolded at that. Like, you can't do this to me, movie. You can't do this to me. This movie is very, very fun. And also good, but mainly fun. This is a movie I think I could watch again. This is basically Mad Max Fury Road, but on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And also less weird lore, I guess. You know, it's a chase that's exciting. They do a good job of pacing it. They do a good job of those battle scenes. The one where it's when it's raining. Ho. Oh. Ho. Oh. You know, that's uh-huh. spooky. There's so much stuff going on there. And then that last one where they're charging... You know, couldn't really tell who was fighting who at any given second because there's just so much going on. But it doesn't matter because I know that the good guys are winning. Side note, um, this <laughs> film was on a ne- was on a neoconservative movie list I saw a while back. I'm not I'm not exactly sure why, but but it was. Nice. Hey, the more you so know. is The Incredibles as well. Apparently, neoconservatives love The Incredibles, from what I can gather and i'm not incredible <laughs> probably because the incredibles is like about liberty right i guess but like, <laughs> i mean that, that's, that's as much as i can extrapolate from it remember when the incredibles invade iraq i mean that was the best part <laughs> well also like something tom said about the last movie sound is weird sound is very good in this movie mm-hmm. um watching the headphones it is it it there's so much you can hear the layers of sound right there's mm. a lot there's a lot of stuff in this timeline right um it won an oscar probably deserved it you know i haven't seen the other things that were nominated probably uh, is this sounding better than sea biscuit probably you know <laughs> um you you can tell there's definitely a lot of attention to detail with that it suffers a bit from 2003 cgi there are moment there's when he's at the crest when the, when the doctor is at the crest to look for the flightless bird, and he's standing at the top of that hill. I don't know if you noticed, but he is on a green screen. Like, he is just yes. in a green room, and he's floating ever so slightly on top of this hill. Oh, I didn't know like, he was floating. It's, it, he's not, <laughs> I didn't he's, notice He's this. touching the ground, but there's, like, a brief moment where he, like, slides a pixel to the right, you know? <laughs> And it was at that moment I realized he's not on a hill. <laughs> um, I did and, not and catch also, this. I, but I, sh- I should have, I should have, what, what should have, you know, alerted me to that was when he like flies 50 feet in the other direction and then comes back immediately. Um, <laughs> and then they keyframe him to like reverse and then flip in 3D animation. I, I should have yeah, known I can't that believe one. that I neglected to notice. Uh, yeah. What um, gave it away for me was the fact that Tom and Jerry were there. <laughs> <laughs> and yet somehow looked better than the new movie. Yeah. When when the two boats are next to each other, I don't I assume they're two boats physically there, right? Like that yeah, has they, to be they are. that looks incredible and is amazing. Even like in that storm, there's enough stuff going on that like you don't really notice that it's I feel like most of it's done pretty well. Um there are just a few times like that guy floating and then also you can tell a few times that the boat is digitally composited. Even in that scene when he's floating, he points and he sees the boat going into the the bay, and it's like okay, that looks digitally added. But most of the time, it's it's done pretty well, um, and that's a two thousand three thing. I don't think you can judge it for that. I'd I'd love to see 
a sequel to this now exactly the same just the sequel no just update the cgi if you need to and then just totally do it the exact same way like i didn't notice it specifically i I didn't notice any problems with the cgi in any way like to me all just looked real (laughs) yeah no speaking speaking of the ships being next to each other though um i just think i just think it's super interesting the dynamics of this naval warfare because you can't Mm -hmm. just like you can't just like shoot at them you have to like be side to side with them and like you can only like you're you can't face them you're firing on them but like if you're side to side with them you're they're probably firing at you it's like it's incredibly difficult stuff and i think they do a really good job of simulating the dynamics and, of like, well yeah that's how that's how the surprise this is like the big plot point in the battle that's how the surprise ends up beating the akron because what it does is it cripples her it gets her like mass to all fall off and then she sails around like, so this is the side, this is the back of the Acheron. And then, I mean, it's a podcast, you can't. <laughs> no, we will, we will like use text to simulate what you're doing in the description. So yeah, it gets, it gets behind the Acheron kind of like, you know, with all its guns aiming at it. And then it fires what's called a broadside. And that, the whole point of that is like a cannonball will go like the whole length of the ship and get as much damage as possible. Yeah. So that's how they end up beating the Acheron by heading up behind it. But I did learn a lot about naval tactics from this film. And by all accounts, mm-hmm. it's a very good, like, you know, resource for learning about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would consider myself an expert on uh, at least pirate naval warfare as I have played Assassin's Creed Black Flag once. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so, okay, Ari. <laughs> call me an expert. I... I... <laughs> I guess I never. I'm taking thought... down a few pirate ships in my day. <laughs> it, it, it's like it's it. It's just super interesting the things that you don't think about, like the fact that you want the wind at your back because that can like really affect how far your cannonball travels. Is just like like yeah, of course that makes sense, but it's like you you don't think that that has such a big effect, but it, it does, and like that's a huge thing in this movie is that if they're firing upwind, they're never going to hit the Acheron, and that's a huge problem for them. Realizing there's literally nothing they can do to go faster except hope that the wind uh-huh. lets them go faster, you know? Yeah. It's definitely yeah. warfare heavily affected by the environment, which like is, mud. you know, that, that's something that's interesting like, about... Just like, just mud, like yeah. mud. You know, if it rains on a land <laughs> battle, maybe that's not in your favor. Maybe if it's raining in, in the air, it's not in your favor, but like with the sea you are in the most unpredictable environment that the earth offers really um at any right, cause like, scale even in that like second battle um they have they're doing well and then just a storm happens and then just totally cap not capsizes yeah. them but like totally like uh makes their plans go and awry. you can't even you can't call to like if they get you in that storm they're you're done <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> As wait you can't call to man Come on, yeah. man. Come on. Dude, just like, just like dude, five minutes. That's not in. fair. I'll, I'll, I'll tell mom. <laughs> yeah, I like how this movie made me fi- uh, fear Cape Horn more than I already, than I already did. Because mm-hmm. fuck, fuck Cape Horn. Terra del Fuego, right? Cape Horn is Africa, right? Sorry. What? No, they, they call it the Cape. Whatever. I don't know. I think... I'm pretty sure Good Hope is Africa. I know that because yeah. of the movie 2012. Where, right, uh, right. Why? Why do you <laughs> so know this? Because they go around the Cape. Nick, you're Hope right. Our, it's Tierra del Fuego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AKA yeah. Fireland. Yeah. Is that what that means? Even though it's cold as shit. Yeah, it is fire. The land, land of fire. fire. Dude, I. Um, well, I anyway, anyways, the ocean is scary and makes me scared of the ocean. Yeah, I'm, but it's terrifying. I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I quite like the ocean. 
the ocean is a very calming thing to me. Even when it's like stormy, there's something about the ocean mm-hmm. that's just like comforting. You you, you listen know? to you listen to like relaxing lo-fi with waves in the background. Yeah, right? I do, I do. <laughs> um, if I had to die before my my time comes, dying on the sea doesn't seem like the worst way to go. It it, it actually seems like the worst way to go. But it's there's yeah, something like, comforting about the ocean to it's me, like and dying I feel in like space. I might not care. Like who's gonna yeah. find you? No one. Well, that's that's the thing, you know. Then a fish will eat me, and it's like, hey, at least the fish is happy, you know. So this movie. <laughs> okay. Yes, I realized movie... that like both of these movies that we've faked, we've just been using them as excuses to talk about other things, which I love. Yeah. Well, think one thing I will say about this movie is it does something very well, which is like subplots and sub characters. Yes. Because for example, like two things we didn't mention that are like big parts of the movie. It looks at least took up a fair bit of screen time were the child who lost an arm and the guy who thought he was cursed. Yes. Like, neither of them I thought was done very poorly. Mm-hmm. I was terrified when these children were everywhere. I'm like, oh God, they're giving children lines. Uh-huh. But it worked, it worked. Yeah, and even, even yeah, when un- they came... Unlike... Oh yeah, go on. Oh yeah. Uh, unlike Waterloo with those <laughs> wonderful subplots about... Exactly. Oh, they danced for five minutes since a tragedy he died and uh-huh. oh who's this like who's this quaker guy screaming why do we kill each other <laughs> oh he's dead yep yeah yeah i think it's a it's a good contrast between both movies like these movies are as different as you can get yeah they're both the same war but like that is the only common factor between them mm-hmm. Th- they really speak to how important it is to be good at making movies if you make films you know like that sounds dumb to say but i do think like there is something about this movie where even though it is not like an art film you know not all movies need to be i like a lot of movies that aren't art films you know but what is it that these big studio films have that other like, I can think, like, all the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Like, what does this movie have that they don't, you know? I think it is that, like, structure. There's there's so much precision to how it's presented. Like Ari says with the characters. Like, I liked the kid in this movie. Mm-hmm. I genuinely cared what happened to him. I didn't know the names of every character that died, but when someone died, I'd be like, oh, no, it's that guy. I know him, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, like... I cared what was happening. And I think they have, like, good nuance with the writing. Like, the kid early on is like, oh, is it true they stitch your nose up last when you die? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, that kid's dead the first time I saw that. I was like, if he says that, he's dead. But no, it's his friend. Uh, And, like, the the way that they, you know, they kind of foreshadow some stuff, but then they kind of subvert your expectations a little. So, you know, it's it's called good writing. I think that is the difference between this and Pirates of the Caribbean. And yet it's able to capture the same wonder, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All the Pirates movies. Yeah. Yeah. And then also be, you know, like good formally good like mm-hmm. i'm not 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 gonna knock people who love pirates of the caribbean hey, the first like, one is good i'll say one the first good, one's yeah. good the rest suck hey that's the but, same war isn't it they're the, I mean, the british and in... the first one they're fighting like skeletons what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> i mean time period wise right there is They're something at the end with right? like, yeah there's like a half century difference, but oh, well, other than that, look every every war before the American Revolution is the same war in my brain, even though the Napoleonic <laughs> but, but Wars comes later. I'm just saying all these wars of coalitions, all these like this Queen is, Anne's War. Like, I don't know what any of these words mean. The Napoleonic Wars was just the War of 1812. 
Uh, uh, this yeah, yeah yeah this is actually just the the Crimean War. Um, I don't oh. even know when that happened. Eighteen fifties. Um, there you go. Ben Blackstone yeah, would have talked about the Crimean War if he had come on. Um, Crimean War. That was an interesting war. I will give it that. But yeah. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to bore you. But yeah. Oh, the and first, Stephen. First war with extensive use of photography. The Crimean War. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I don't mean to diss Stephen, but he posted. <laughs> please, please <laughs> do. Please do. Please dude, do. Dude, dude, dude. I love. I love throwing shade on Stephen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. He posted something on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. You know, talking about the Crimean War, and he captioned it "Charge of the Light Brigade." Good stuff. And I'm like, actually, that's that's the charge of the heavy brigade that happened. Like, oh, good, good. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, he was about as wrong as you could be. Okay, he said light and it was heavy. That's like polar opposites. <laughs> How could you confuse this? Yeah. I just want to say the charge of the light brigade and heavy brigade, very different things though, right? Light mm-hmm. brigade, it's just they ride into a valley and like Russians just kill all of them. Mm-hmm. Heavy Brigade, they charge uphill into some other Russian cavalry, but, like, the Russian cavalry just, like, vanishes. Because the heavy, you know, <laughs> brigade is just so heavy. That is, that is quite so the difference. Heavy. That's actually really impressive, to win an uphill battle. Win an uphill battle, and not only just, like, win, but, like, make the other, like, <laughs> army just completely disappear. disappear. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> turn to nothing. Not, okay, to, I think, not to interrupt you, but... Master and Commander, I have <laughs> yes, one more Master thing to say Commander. about it. Say it. It's not even really about the movie. I just want to mention this director, Peter Weir. Um, he's a good director. He he did Dead Poets Society, which is okay, but he did Truman Show, which is an excellent film. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Ari, have you seen Truman Show? Yes. Okay. I was going to say... He is also not like the water. That, I do correct. like the Truman Show a lot, yes. It was very not what I thought it would be. Yeah, this guy makes good movies. He also did Witness, which is the Harrison Ford movie where he disguises himself as an Amish man um, in order to solve a murder. So there's that. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember the scene where he's, like, putting an ice cream on him and he just goes, bam, like, this knocks this <laughs> random guy what? out. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We will. That we will. Next, next time. week. Uh, yeah, you, it's yeah. like the, it's like the scene in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, where Jim, uh, Jimmy Stewart <laughs> runs around Washington D.C. punching people. <laughs> I forgot about. That. I love. I love how like completely. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> okay, Wesley. I, I, I would like to say just one last thing. One last thing about yeah. the movie. Um, I, I talked about this. I I think Tom agrees with me. I I I really like the music. Ari and Nick. Music. I did notice the music. A lot, a lot of it. Was... A lot of it is. A lot of it is unoriginal. A lot of it is classical. I was gonna say it, it felt like a uh, like a Stanley Kubrick film. Like it's just all pre-existing mm-hmm. like Strauss pieces. I don't know, probably none of them are by Strauss. But... I'm sure added to the like ambiance and like the tone of the film when I was watching it and my attitudes throughout like the plot and the characters. However, like in retrospect, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. That's just how my brain works yeah let me just say that's a knock on the music itself i will say i will say extremely extremely historically inaccurate bach was like centuries before this and then or maybe no maybe not centuries before this but bach was bach was before this and then von williams who has like the song when the guy dies uh takes place after this so like you know it's not historically accurate but it really i think it does help it does help set the mood yeah and then some of the original music as well is pretty good like the drum mm-hmm. like 
you know bit that that's really there's good. a lot of good transitions with music too all the editing in this yeah. even even like you were talking about the weevil scene just the dinner scenes in general are mm-hmm. fantastic and i love yeah. them oh yeah. dude the first dinner scene when he's like you know the first thing he said to me and he's like i remember it i remember it like the back of my hand he said Aubrey, to me, Aubrey, hand me the salt can you pass me the salt <laughs> just the way he delivers that is amazing because you expect so he's going to say it super serious. Now I'll trouble you for the salt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could, I could exactly. watch this movie again tonight. I think mm-hmm. is my point. Like yeah. I, it's, it's a damn, damn good movie. I think this isn't damn fine. This is damn good. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I yeah. I think, I think the word that film. I think the best word to describe this is swashbuckling. Right. Like this is like yeah. this is honestly a swashbuckling film. Yeah. You you look up swashbuckling in the dictionary. Master commander. Master commander yeah. Is Excellent. Right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I believe we're done with that movie. Okay. Questions. So we have questions now. Now, oh my God, we like listeners of the podcast. Don't we? Listeners, no. <laughs> okay, let me explain. Listeners of the podcast will know that once upon a time, Lucan Alto Stargiati, member of uh, the Pone sphere of influence, um, he he likes to leave <laughs> the, po- questions, the Pone Domino theory. <laughs> Lucan leaves fun questions. I like answering Lucan's questions, but it's been a while, you know. But he just decided to make up for him missing a few episodes by leaving many, many questions for us. He left 13, then found out that Tom was on the show and left seven more. I have selected six of them. Okay. Okay. I will say of those 20 questions, 14 are questions. Six of them are just him saying random shit. Oh, and those are the ones you picked. (laughs) No. uh, (laughs) um, So I will do three that were meant for just in general, and then three that have been tailored for Tom. But these are all things that we can do relatively quickly, except for a few that maybe we can get something out of. Um, Luke and left these on the r slash postpone subreddit, where you can also leave questions for us to answer, or you can DM the Paul West Nick official Instagram account and leave us questions there. If you would like your question answered, go ahead and go to the questions thread on that subreddit and leave your question today. Okay. What is a film that left you questioning yourself? Could be your morals or a viewpoint you once held that was challenged by the film. Um, take a moment to think. I feel like we've had a similar question, right? Like, or I guess we had a question that was like, what was the film that shaped our uh, I, I suppose so, but, but here's, yeah, this is less something that shaped it and more something that challenged it. It could even be something beyond... Like, you might just say, oh, I thought he was a good actor, then I saw him in, in that movie, and he's not a good actor, you know? Just literally anything that has changed your opinion of something. Have you ever done that? Well, similar to my answer I gave for a similar question we've had in the past, mm-hmm. is movies don't really feel like they shape my personality all that much, but they very heavily shape how I look at more movies going forward. Mm-hmm. You know? It also helps me understand, like, why people make movies... And of why people are awful, like Suspiria. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, I feel I came back a different person after watching that. Can I explain why? Yeah. Like, I, I, like, I literally couldn't say how I'm a different person. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could not. I was going to say, no, well, in that no. episode, you do a very good job of, of yeah. I guess, demonstrating at least. Go back and watch least, it. Uh, yeah, listen to it. What it's... Yeah, but also, like, things like uh, Dino- uh, Velocipaster, like... <sighs> Like it makes me question like, what is ironically good, and what I what is the difference between good and I- irony, and when I'm watching a film. You know what? Like, then I have mess. an answer, based on Ari's words. 
That's a very good point. There are sometimes films that challenge the meaning of movie. I recently sent Wes an album I found online called Campaign. Um, it's of a genre called, uh, like, it's just called, like, electronic sounds or something. <laughs> and it's like someone stuck a jackhammer in a tuba. Like, it's the worst for, for thing I've heard in my life. Hour. Yes, for an hour. Just terrible noise. I think there have been film equivalents of that. Off the top of my head, Swamp Ape has definitely challenged oh. some beliefs of mine. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. Swamp Swamp Ape is the worst film I've seen in my entire life. It's the By most far. putrid, repulsive piece of cinema. I don't even want to dignify it by calling it cinema. It's just like like excrement. It's the afterbirth of, of, a, of a Lovecraftian creature. It's the worst thing I've seen in my life. Um, that is something that left me questioning myself. I said, why do I like watching movies? Fuck it, I'll be an accountant. You know, like, <laughs> terrible film. I, I do like that, that even, even things like Waterloo. Like, we watch a lot of different, not types of movies, but movies for different reasons on the podcast, right? It brought me such joy to talk about the Batman movie when we did that, you know? That was, I think, the first time we watched a movie other than just because it was good, you know? Um, I like talking about different purposes of movies, I guess. There's a lot of different things you can get out of watching films, I believe. Um, horror and Disgust is one of them, if you watch Swamp, Swamp Ape. So. Swamp Ape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to say Swamp Ape, but <laughs> yeah. The second you, Titanic put, movie is also up there. I the think. second Titanic movie is up there, and then that Steven Seagal film is up there for just being boring, just yeah. like nothingness. But I was going to say, so I, I, I'm a Mormon. I appreciate my faith, but mm -hmm. watching some Mormon movies <laughs> makes makes me question my faith. <laughs> I was unfamiliar with this, this is a genre. But, but watching Joshua it is a genre. the Promised Land. <laughs> oh, is that, is that one of them? No, I, I believe that's that not is, one of them. But I'm not even sure that's a Christian film. I think the guy just wanted like a yeah, royalty-free story to use. Yeah, so we just did Joshua in the Promised Land. So yeah, yeah. Joshua in the Promised Land is an amazing film. This is like a full genre: Mormon pioneer films. You can find like dozens of them across, you know, the internet. But I mean, that's not that many. But like, still <laughs> enough. And I have yet to see one that I'm like. Wow, that was great. I'm gonna watch that again. Or wow, that has strengthened my faith in any way whatsoever. They're just, they're just really bad films. Especially then, then, if if its point is to, like the the Mormon movie is to say, God, I'm proud to be a Mormon. Those movies then fail, right? If they're bad. Yeah, they yeah they literally <laughs> fail. And then I guess the other purpose is for like you can find your faith through that way. I cannot imagine being like someone not Mormon watching one of those movies and thinking. <laughs> Huh. You know what? I think I'll try it out. This sounds this sounds excellent to me. That's actually but what then, Joseph Smith found on the Golden Plates was the storyboards for these movies. Oh, yes. Yep. Amazing. Um, the other thing was, uh, I'm a Civil War actor as well, but when I watch Gods and Generals, I think, <laughs> that film is specifically made for Civil War actors. Yeah. And then I look around, I'm like, wow, these people are, they're, they're very boring. They're not very fun people at mm -hmm. all, so... Yeah, that's the other thing. Gods and Generals made me question whether I want to be a Civil War actor. Yeah, that's 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 a big moment. Yeah, yeah that was a big moment in my life. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, yeah, Nick, maybe you can help me out with this a bit, but 
So I was trying to think of movies that made me question um, my like of art movies because I think in the past, I think in the past, mm-hmm. uh, past Wesley would have been like an artsy movie. This sounds fun. It's 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 not it's not a, it's not a normal blockbuster movie. This is like artsy. And then I saw Moonrise Kingdom. Like that's like hey, yeah. that's like what I feel like is the answer. Is it's like I saw that and I questioned like no, you know what? Like big blockbuster movies are good if this is like the alternative. Um, that's not where I thought that sentence was going. I thought you were going to say past Wesley would have said no art movies aren't good. And then you were going to say through the podcast, you've learned that some of them are. Some of I'm them shocked are. to see that Moonrise Kingdom, you hated it so much that to this day, you still say, mm, I don't know, art just has a negative connotation to me now. Because, <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, yes, there are there are good art movies. And then I, and then I remember Moonrise Kingdom. And... Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know exactly what that made me question, but it, it did. It did make me question things, uh, specifically whether or not I liked Wes Anderson, because I think until that point I was like, I do like Wes Anderson, and then I saw that movie. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of like the one that I thought of. I mean, I guess if we want to talk about positive stuff, you know, I'm not a huge like comedy fan, but like uh, Shaun the Sheep. I guess these are just movies. I'm just talking about movies that are in genres that I don't normally like, or bad movies in genres that I do like. But Shaun the Sheep was a movie that was like, oh, comedy movies can be good. Same with, like, uh, any Edgar Wright movie, like Hot Fuzz. Like, oh, comedies can actually be funny. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I I do know there are movies, I'll wrap up the question, but, like, I do know there are movies that, if I had time to think, I could say, oh, this is a movie that made me realize that films can be, like, meaningful, I guess. There was a point in life where I eventually said, oh, wait, there are some films that are substantially better than others. Um, I don't remember what the exact films would have been, but I do know that there is a set of movies that as I watched them, I said, oh, movies are good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Dawn of the Damned is a movie that made me question whether I should be allowed to make movies. So that's a viewpoint that changed. Slightly related Release question, it. but much shorter. What is the worst movie that you would still recommend people watch? What is a film that you'd say is definitely bad, but you would still say people should watch this. I unironically think people should watch Joshua and the Promised Land, but also (laughs) I will make on the podcast at some point, I will make you watch Love on a Leash. It is a life-changing film. Um, I'm curious about this question. Yes. Like something that's so bad it's ironically good is something that's bad. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Can we can we pick something that's so like that's good or what? Sure. Can I yeah. choose like who killed Captain Alex? No, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying please recommend Jack and Jill. I'm saying, <laughs> well, Lucan's the one saying it, but <laughs> like, yeah. What is a so bad it's good? What's the worst so bad it's good movie? What is so so bad that it's so so good? I would say Captain Alex is my go-to. Yeah. Mm. I'd I'd say for me one of my first so bad it's good movies and so it just kind of has a soft spot in my heart is uh blood lake uh attack of the killer lampreys i believe it is called um look this movie's amazing uh lampreys they're just like they're just like harmless beings in the lake in lakes and yet this movie was like let's make them evil leeches that attack people there's a part where they get into the sewage supply system and then the evil mayor uh, who's super evil takes a shit on his toilet and then a Lamprey jumps into his butt and kills him <laughs> that way. Uh, there's a point where there's a bunch of Lampreys that are infesting this house so this gardener gets out a weed whacker and just goes to town on all the Lampreys. 
Oh my god. The plot of this movie is they eat all the fish in the lake and then they get so hungry that they start eating humans. It's amazing. Um, it was the first So Bad It's Good movie that I can remember at least, and it's it's still among my favorites. It's super up That's there. Great. And then I I do have to give an honorable mention to Bad Nun. Uh, because Bad Nun is not uh, so bad it's good. It's so bad it's bad. Uh, but you yeah. should see it because um, it's so bad. And like any other movie is good compared to that movie. But yet yeah. it's also super entertaining because it's super funny. Alright, Tom, do you have an answer? I mean, there's so many films to choose from in this, in this field that I've discovered recently. But I'd say Josh from the Promised Land, definitely up there. Love and Leash, also definitely up there. But the Christmas light, like the first Fuck. one, not the sequel, the Christmas light, like this 1990s, like three, you know, 3D animated Christmas film. I believe it predates Toy Story. It does predate Toy Story. It's like 30 minutes and oh my, it's, it's, it's so ineptly made that I, it's almost like beautiful to me. Like I struggle to find like how anyone could have made something so bad but like still believed like this is a good movie was that... and i'm going to release this i should clarify this is the move this is the movie responsible for me and tom being friends i think yes. tom is the last person i became friends with in school before graduating and it's because we'd watch these terrible movies that we just say hey you guys ever heard of this terrible thing and we'd all go home and watch it and be like oh that was jolly disgusting <laughs> i don't think that's a term Pain. <laughs> suffering yeah. All right. Very good. Um, next question. Favorite pasta and or pasta sauce? Just everyone go as quick as they can. Name your favorite shape of pasta. Okay, my favorite sauce is bolognese. Because um, it's the best one I make. Um, yeah, there's a nice three cheese sauce that I like. Tomato and then three Italian cheeses. Um, I like penne. Penne is a good shape. It's good for containing the sauce. It's easy to make. That's my favorite pasta. My favorite food in the world is pesto gnocchi or pesto ravioli. You know what's objectively the best pasta I've, I've ever eaten? So Jimmy, aside from being like a master violinist, he's also like a, like a master cook. And he made the sauce that they make in Goodfellas in the prison. Literally fantastic. Like the perfect spaghetti sauce. I, nice. Interesting. I can't even describe it. But yeah, whatever Martin Scorsese, wherever he found that recipe, good on you because that was what shape would you pair it with i have no idea like the shelves sort of things <laughs> i'm not i'm not that's where my knowledge of pasta ends yeah. i'd say my shape i don't know hard to decide but i like tagliatelle a lot mm, very good very good um all right now these are the questions that luke can sp i i see Dari's having a great time here <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm having a good time. these are the questions that luke can specifically tailored towards tom being on the episode tonight okay so again, we can kind of speed through some of these, but I know I'm going to ask this and two people here are just going to go, fuck, I don't even stop, you know? Um, Luke can ask, favorite U.S. government scandal? Um, oh, definitely the Teapot I was Dome going scandal. to say Teapot Dome. Yep, um, Teapot Dome. Teapot that Talking at History episode really <laughs> opened my eyes about it. Wes and, and or Ari, favorite government scandal. Was it with like Andrew Jackson's wife or something? Like a there was like yes. a Peggy. Andrew Jackson oh. believed his wife was the subject of a smear campaign that caused her death, even yes. though she had like cancer or something. But he used that to attack and destroy John Quincy Adams' chances of re-election. 
Yep. Yeah. That was it. That, that was, was pretty good. Yeah, um, I'm sure there were interesting ones that I learned about, but I don't remember. I just remember the guy who beat up the, like, Charles Sumter in... The, oh, dude. In yeah. The yeah. Charles yep. Sumner. Yeah, I just think that's funny. Then they sent they sent him more canes. They sent him more yeah. canes, yeah. I think also the Compromise of 1877, the one where they gave Hayes yep. the election, even though Tilden won. I like that one yeah, because we're... Hayes is actually a good president, and I'm quite happy Rutherford that worked fraud, out. B. Hayes. Of course, Rutherford of course. Rod B. Hayes. Um, <laughs> well, you know what they very say. Good. They can't lick our dick. <laughs> yep. Can't don't don't dick. don't change dicks don't... in the middle of a screw. Vote for Nixon <laughs> for seventy two. Um. All right. Very good. Number next one. Number five. For Tom, favorite U.S. senator. Wallace F. Bennett, hands <laughs> down. Oh my gosh, this guy, gold standard, Mormon, uh, compromiser, strong civil rights record. Like, mm-hmm. it just keeps piling up. This is like, a this Utah guy was, senator, I'm assuming. Yes, yes. of course, okay. Utah senator. I've got an autograph from him, Whoa. like right over there. But yeah, you know. It was only like five dollars. Mm. So you purchased this autograph. I did, and actually, my grand my uh, my grandparents knew him. Mm. Very nice. Hey. Uh, Wes and or Ari. Nope. Do you even have an answer? Al Gore. <laughs> was <laughs> he senator? The I thought of. Yeah, he was senator of Tennessee. Very nice. Um, off the top of my head, I didn't. Shady I don't Harley even know. Ruta. <laughs> He's not a senator. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> off the top of my head. Like, I mean, Henry Clay probably is my favorite. Um, fighting Bob is good, but I, I love fighting someone Bob. who I become get some love for Webster out here. Daniel Webster's very good, that is true. Um, not a big fan of Calhoun, but whatever. Um, I, I will say there's this woman, Margaret Chase Smith, who I've become quite yes. fascinated with as of late. Yeah, she is the first woman to be elected senator outside of a special election, so she's the first one to like win a campaign. She's the first woman to be nominated, not nominated, but like be up for nomination at a, at the Republican Party convention in like the 50s. Um, she also was the first, and I believe for a long time, the only Republican senator to say Joseph McCarthy is a madman and he sucks. Um, once that started, she said, you are insane and you need to stop whatever it is you're doing. So Margaret Chase Smith, uh, Maine, I believe. She's from Maine. Yeah, Maine. Very good. I like her a lot. Um, and and side note, she wrote to John F. Kennedy complaining that he wasn't he wasn't gonna nuke the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> um, very good. I like her a lot. Um yes, last question. This is sort of a real one, uh, but we can also go through it quickly. If you could travel to any historical landmark at any point during history, which one do you go to uh, and when? Wait, what does that mean, landmark? Like, Statue of Liberty? I believe what he means is, like, a place, like, just anywhere in history, like, a place that is associated with an event, like Tiananmen Square. Don't go there, please. That's <laughs> don't, don't, don't go there. <laughs> um, Why? Because you, cause you'd be bored, because there'd be nothing there. Yeah, exactly. Nothing, there'd be yeah, nothing exactly. would happen. I mean, yeah, it'd be You could go to Tiananmen Square today. I mean, yeah. it'd be no different. Mm. Um... I was I was gonna say Waterloo to compare to the movie <laughs> to see if if it was really just like that. It'd be cool to see um, the the unveiling of like the Statue of Liberty. That'd be neat. Yeah. It used to not be that'd green. Be cool. That'd be something cool, I guess. Just any World Fair, I guess, would be interesting. Yeah. That yeah. That'd also be. Yeah. 
Um, oh, also, I'd I'd want to watch Bull Run, like all up with all the civilians, like mm. we just watched the battle. I go to the building Somehow. of the pyramids just to prove that it wasn't fucking it was aliens. aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'd want to go to like the Hanging Gardens of Babylon because like they get described as like these super like opulent things, and I I don't mm. believe it. There's no way. <laughs> if I was just like if I was just I, like some like pot that some guy hung on his porch and like maybe yeah. Wes, you have my vote. Thank I'm you. I'm going with Wes to there. Also, because I'm morbid, may, might want to see a Hindenburg mm. disaster. That'd be interesting. Even L- the Titanic, to... you know, I not I'd die, but like I, I'd look I'd look for the talking mice as well. And <laughs> From the wrapping dog. Be on, yeah. be on the be on the lookout for the wrapping dog. All right, excellent question segment, gentlemen. Very interesting. Okay, if answers. there's any listeners left, is it my turn to uh, with the recommendations? You have no. But first, faith. we need to thank Tom. Oh, yes, we do have to thank Tom first before the recommendation happens. Thank you so much. You, you're allowed to stay. We're not kicking you off. You're still allowed to talk. Oh, okay. I was, I, I was going to let it go. Like, you don't get to right. hear the next recommendation. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, no, we're going to... Because the next recommendation doesn't really apply to you, because you, you can listen and wa- you can watch and listen for the next yeah. episode. However, you're not going to be here. Yeah. But um, thank you, Tom, very much for being on this yeah, uh, episode with us. This is very I feel, fun. I feel less, smarter. Yeah. I do. I do. I, I feel I know slightly more about water. I didn't come I here to learn. No, no, this is fun. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was all. Good. This was all. This was all my plan to uh, teach a course about the Battle of Waterloo. I'd get you to watch the movie first. You know, provide a little more context. I I think I might be Mormon now. Is what has <laughs> has happened here today. Well, um, Nick, just go watch those movies. I mean, wow, that's what true. a what a testament of faith. Well, speaking of more men. More movies is what we're talking oh. about. Okay, yes. Genius. Um, so, I needed a movie for the today. Mm-hmm. And I texted Chloe. I'm like, I need a movie for recommending. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know, I think Briggs had one. So I texted Briggs. Mm-hmm. I need a movie for recommending. He's like, okay, you're. He gave me a movie. I'm recommending that movie. And I looked it up. You guys haven't seen it, and it has good ratings. There Will Be Blood. Okay, okay. Nick has seen it, but yes. I'm I didn't see it on your I ratings. To see I might have not rated it. No, you did. It's on your rating CSV file. I did? Because I, oh, no. I thought about recommending it a while. No, doesn't no, matter. No, it's fine. Ari, I had not seen it until like like a couple months ago, and I don't remember it. Uh, I died that night. Um, oh, I, I think I, my little brother was CSV holding the controller. Uh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's that, that's very I'm fair. glad you messed up. I've, I've always wanted to watch it. No, you know what? I was it's not. Good. The reason I hadn't seen it for so long is because I was waiting for Wes to recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> you beat him to it. Good job. All right. Yes. Very good. Ari, okay. would you like to lead us out? Yes. Um, then again, um, thank you once more for Tom for joining us this episode. Make sure to go to Domino's forward slash Hitsusha Mishima <laughs> backslash uh, <laughs> Polish Legos forward slash uh tom and uh also check out give us the highest rating you can on your respective podcast platform check out both our reddit where you can um send us recommendations and also questions and you could also go to our official instagram uh, paul west nick for uh sending questions via that way as well and make sure to watch the movie there will be blood it's only one episode or next week and we will see you then Bye bye